Welcome to the Brown Posey Press Show, part of the Books Big Network, a program dedicated to independent and self-published authors. This show will examine new and unique works of literature, learn about their creators, and discuss the industry. And now your host, Tori Gates. We're here at the Radio Pennsylvania Network in WITF Studios in Harrisburg. And my guest this evening is someone that uh, I came across about a year or so ago, maybe a little more than that. I was at the Milton Hershey School speaking with, before young authors with two other of my colleagues. And this fellow right here, Jules Davenport, brings us work of poetry and a new forthcoming novel called Who is Sean? And... I've got you uh, back in the studio once again. You've been here to do some audio work, and now you're on the show. Welcome. For sure. How you doing? <laughs> well, let us begin with uh, some of the work that we've got here. First of all, uh, on your website, you describe your poetry, and from listening to it, you call it urban poetry. Is Maybe you could define that a little bit. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's called In My Eyes. It's an urban poetry series. And the reason that I call it urban poetry is because it reflects my experiences, which is of, of, of the urban environment. And, um, you know, it's not just all about the city, but it's just about being cultivated around different um, things that are urban. So they influence the poetry. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. And... You know, I recorded uh, the audio version of your work penned in Pennsylvania, and you brought me into a world of poetry that I've only heard occasionally in Poetry Slam on television and, and things like that. And you bring to life a part of the world that a lot of us know nothing about. And uh, maybe we could start with, with In My Eyes. You've got two volumes of that. You have one called In My Little Eyes. Tell mm -hmm. us about where this came from and what brought you uh, into uh, what influenced you to just start writing this down and, and telling these stories? Well, um, in my eyes kind of started like I was going through different things in my life and I was at a point where I wanted to try something new. Um, I had been to prison. I had been, you know, on the roller coaster ride in the, of the streets and I was kind of like, trying to figure out how do I get out of this. It was like a revolving door, a cycle. And I kind of wanted to break that because I didn't see a, a, a bright future in it because all all the bad things in my life came from when I was running the street. So it was like, all right, I'm ready to try something new. So I've always been a writer. Like I tell um, all the students that I talk to in, in my, um, my poetry presentation, you know, I started writing um, to my present I mean, to my father, he was in prison when I was younger, so he was my pen pal. And, um, you know, it wasn't poetry, but it was, like, my connection to writing. And then, um, you know, like I like described in my presentation, uh, I, I call it my penitentiary pen, and it kind of describes a time when I was in prison and I relied on writing then, and I started being more comfortable with rhyming. And um, Back then I was writing raps and... And, you know, basically poetry, because there was no beats in prison. You know, it's just, you know, a pen and a pad, pencil and paper. So, um, and then what led me to write In My Eyes was, um, you know, I had been through, 
like I said, like I described, I have been through certain experiences that pushed me toward wanting a new, um, a brighter future, if you want to put it that way. Um, I wanted to still be able to hustle. I feel like I'm a hustler at heart, so I'm never, I don't never, I never wanted to kill that part of me. I just said, well, if I'm, I'm good at hustling, but what I'm doing is like kind of like backwards, you know what I mean? You can get some money, but you could also go to jail, you could die. So I was thinking, I was like, I need a product, and everybody knows in America, if you have a product, you could get rich, you know what I mean? So I wanted to put my writing to use. So everybody was rapping at the time, and um, I just wanted to do something different. So I, I did rap, but I just did it without a beat, like when I was in prison, and I came up with In My Eyes. Some of the poems from In My Eyes, one is from, you know, writings from when I was locked up. But a lot of them were just from me looking out at the street and just, like, seeing the cycle and just putting it down on paper. Mm -hmm. And you grew up in Harrisburg, and a lot of what you're telling me really sort of is reflected in the upcoming Who is Sean? Because you, you bring us to a young person who really doesn't see an awful lot of a future and it look and it's it's incredibly dark and it's really gritty and it's me growing up in a completely different environment i can see the poverty side of it because of what i saw not so much experience but saw with my friends saw with my peers and stuff but to you um you said in your i was looking at your bio here and you talk about the love of writing and you and I are like on one thing. We, were, I was not, I wasn't a very good student either. I was an incredibly undisciplined <laughs> student, and, uh, but we loved. We both wrote. I mean, I didn't start really seriously writing until years after, probably years after you. Mm -hmm. But I think you, you've already had it. You've always had the story in you. You've always been able to tell stories either through uh, your poetry, through hip hop, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, I mean, I always wanted. I wanted to rap at one point. Um, just because, it, you know, when you're young, you, I wanted to play basketball at one point. I wanted to rap. I just wanted to try, always wanted to try new things. So, like now, I always want to try new things now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Nothing changes. And we talked briefly in the past about some of your influences. Um, first of all, we talked about hip-hop. We talked about Tupac Shakur. And he's seen as such a pioneer. Tell me about his influence on you, but also some of the other uh, folks you were listening to. What 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 really got you about them? Well, Tupac was easy because a lot of people were rapping. You know, a lot of people were rapping about the same thing. But he just had a unique voice, unique flow. I felt like, you know, everybody has that artist that reaches them. So it doesn't matter, you know, what genre it is. There's always, you know, an artist that speaks to you. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when it came to Tupac, he talked about my life, basically, and the things that were really, you know were going on in the environment that affected him and he talked about it differently he didn't just like glorify it he kind of just was just saying this is how it is you know this is how I hope it could be but this is reality and I, I'm going to survive this so I'm I'm I you know what I mean when you're in that environment you have to survive it so it's like uh I in a way you kind of get you could get lost in that you know what I mean try if you want to if you want to find a new way, but you can't do it if you're in that environment all the time because you stand out. You know what I mean? It's not always a good thing to stand out. But anyway, not to get not to digress, but 
Um, what stood out about about him was the topics that he picked and, and the way that he chose to, um, you know, dis- describe them, so to speak. You know, mm-hmm. it was poetic. So, right. And on top of that, he does write poetry too. So yeah, and uh, how about other poets, authors, that sort of thing? There's always the, the thing for me is that is fascinating is always what we read, always what we listened to, what we heard early on, because that always it doesn't necessarily lay the foundation, but it it, it moves us. Like you say, Tupac did that. Others obviously must have done. Like anybody in particular? Well, anybody else besides Tupac? Yeah. I used to like Lauren Hill because she can sing and rap, mm-hmm. uh, and she's a female, so um, but she stood out to me. Anybody I, I feel like that stood out, you know, I always because I feel like I, I was kind of an oddball growing up, so I relate to that, to that, you know, I relate to that when I see it. So, mm-hmm. and uh, as I we were talking briefly, you know, you have some very clever wordplay about what your upbringing was like and that sort of thing, and. Uh, you've always reflected to me someone who was able to say, like you do to young people, you know, you know, this is what happened to me. Don't be like me. But you don't sound like you come off as preaching or shouting at them. You you seem to be able to just convey to them a story that 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 hits with you know that hits with people. Mm-hmm. And how difficult was it to bring that across? Do you think it's just being me? <laughs> I'm not trying to do anything. I'm just being me. I feel like that's all I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing that is special or whatever, but um, I understand them so to a degree, you know. And um, I think that's it. I don't. I don't really look at it like anything else, but just being the person I am. I'm not scared to. Be, I've never been scared to be me. Well, there was a time where I was shy. And I had to break that shell so I can relate to the kids in that way. A lot of kids are shy or, you know, they're capable of a lot of things, but they're just like, they don't express it. You know what I mean? So what I guess uh, I, I'm able to do is relate to that. You know what I mean? Because at one point I was just like, man, fuck this. I'm going to just be me. You know what I mean? If people don't like it, people don't like a lot of stuff. You know what yeah. I mean? So that's, I, I, I would say... That that's how I would re- be able to relate to the the um, my listeners and my supporters. All right, we're speaking with Jules Davenport, and we're going to talk more about his uh, poetry works when we come back. This is the Brown Posey Press Show. Stay with us. Sunbury Press Books brings you the work of authors from many genres. If you are into horror, thrillers, or fantasy, check out our Hellbender Books imprint, Thomas Malafarina's Malaformed Reality series, The Thirteenth Child by Nick Korolev, The State Changers series by Chris Fenwick, or the psychological thrillers of Keith Rommel. Find these and other works at the Hellbender Books tab and all works of fiction and nonfiction at sunburypress.com. I'm speaking with Jules Davenport, the author of Who is Sean, which is an upcoming novel that we're going to speak about in just a moment. But also, uh, Jules has come to the fore with a series of poetic works, In My Eyes 1 and 2, In My Little Eyes, and Penned in Pennsylvania. Now, when you were here to record Penned in Pennsylvania, I had not heard any of these. And you brought some pretty interesting stuff and uh 
I wonder if you might read a little of that because I want people to just kind of, I want the listener to hear this and then they'll pick this up, I'm quite sure, once you once you do. Well, let's, let's read the title of, of the, you know, the book, Penned in Pennsylvania. All right. Um, and you can find this on uh, www.jewelsiamjewels.com. Uh, <clears throat> this one's called Penned in Pennsylvania. And it goes like this. Why me? Why this place? Why can't I be from somewhere that's great? I am a Pennsylvania boy. What does that really mean? Middlesworth chips, a river that's green, a place where things aren't always what they seem. Gold statue on the cap of the capital, overlooking poverty in each direction. Pennsylvania with pistols put in pants for protection. Ball shorts under my jeans, not on my way to the court. If I lift this pistol from my waist, so much weight in the decisions we make. So much bitterness in the bites we take. So much loss in the rights they take. Laws seem to flow in the direction of currency around here. Lobbyists invisibly steering the boat around here. Commonwealth cuff us. Seems black as the selection for state corrections. Valleys overwhelmed by shadows of death. A river that flows through whatever's left. Hershey chocolate scents the air. Farm animals everywhere. Racism is still here. Some blatant. Someone wears water. The new generation and I just want to see it all go, though. I wish I could represent every black male in between the PA state lines. I wish I could pin every black male's pain in between these PA paper lines. I wish I could ball all our pain up in that letter. I wish I could wash away all the pain by dropping that letter in the river, that green river that represents greed and death because it's been tainted. I wish we could just drain it, but if we did, we would see the floor and how past blood stained it. The greenest springs, the whitest winters, the brownest falls, the sunniest summers, scribbling what I see, writing with all this hunger. I am from the Pennsylvania jungle where there is darkness in the valley in between the sun rays and sounds of automatic sprays and Halloween days. Sitting in the darkness of the Pennsylvania valley, it's a wonder I still feel sensation. Penned in Pennsylvania, sun facing, penned in Pennsylvania. And that really just sort of, that just reflects your life. It reflects being in Harrisburg, being in Pennsylvania, and what is the reaction to folks when you do that one, or you do any of those poems to, to other folks? What is it like? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know how they feel when I say what I say. I just say it, and I don't really think too much about it after that. Yeah. Um, but the most popular ones that I've done, or the ones that they could only be popular, they're the only ones I've done, is um, Cold Cuffs. And walk through the Capitol. Those are two ones where they're kind of like, you know, they don't really have much to say, but I can see their expression and how they feel. But it's, it's a lot to chew on, you know. Uh, walk through the Capitol may be a lot to chew on. So in cold cuffs, too, it's like kind of like it's true. So it's kind of a whenever you say something true, whatever happens after that, you know how that is. If somebody tells you the truth, that's the reaction you get. It's my truth. I won't say the truth. My truth, because everybody's truth is, you know. Yeah. 
unique to them, I guess. And that's it. Everybody's truth is different. Everybody's story is different. And one of the things I've done in my writing, I've tried really hard to do is I, I remember hearing this years ago, and I can't even remember where I heard it, but I heard someone say, everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a reason for why they do the things they do, why mm -hmm. they say what they do, why they act like they do. And and a lot of the times we can't understand that because either we grew up in a different way or we just can't understand or it's something we know nothing about or we're afraid to. Right, right. We're afraid to, to face something that might show a little of ourselves. Yeah. And uh, now I've, I've always been interested in like the reactions and that sort of thing. But also, Penden, Pennsylvania just gave this. It's a document of that sort. And here's the thing. You live your story. I think most authors, even if they're writing fiction, we put a lot of ourselves into it. Mm -hmm. I would say that. And, well, I learned that with yeah. who is Sean. <laughs> like, I learned that, like, it's easy to write the poetry because that is me. But who is Sean is just, like, parts of me and things that happen throughout life and people. The people I come in, I made that came in contact have made a, a, um, an impact on me. So. I want to ask about that because you came in to record the audio version of that here and... I listened to the story as you told it, and as I said before, you just brought someone living in the tough part of Harrisburg, one of them, and here was Sean. Here's a kid who is, he's hes basically got, it seems like, everything against him. Describe who Sean, who he is, not so much who he's based on, but who is Sean as a character, if we met him on the street, who who would we see? What would we see? You see him every day. When you ride through whatever you think is the bad part of the city, that Sean's walking there, showing the entire day, walking up the street every day. You know? Um uh, but you know, it's like 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 anything, you know, when you're riding past it's overlooked, you know. So but what I'm doing is I'm gonna bring you right into that world. So what Sean who is Sean? So the, who is Sean? Well, that you're going to have to find that out by reading the book. But the circumstances that surround Sean, like you said, are, are they're, they're meant to be, they were written to be impossible. Some of them over-magnified and some of them very, you know, all of it very true, but some of it over-dramatized just to, to bring people, like you said, that don't understand that life. You know, I want to bring them directly into it, and I wanted to—I wanted them to see it and feel it and hear it and taste it. So I wrote it specifically um, for that. You know what I mean? I want first of all, it's like uh, how can I say it? Sean Sean is uh, a lot of young black males. He represents the young black male. Okay, mm -hmm. and you describe incredibly well even the most minute things that you can see this happening if you really see it like the little things that he did without going too deep into it things like him cleaning his shoes him trying to make a meal with not very much having you know and then just feeling like he's not really wanted 
and you know he he and you also talk about how the streets sort of took him in because it was all he had and it's i think a lot of folks would be shocked by it but if you've lived anywhere near that you're like yeah i know this kid well we want them to be shocked we want them to yeah to get slapped in the face so to speak um because there's a lot of talent that's overlooked, you know what I mean? Because it's not wrapped, particularly in the way that people want it to be wrapped. So, um, when when you look, you know, when you look at things like that, you overlook a lot of of treasure, you know. And I want I want my readers to know, or my supporters, or even people that aren't supporters to know, you know, Sean's important. You know what I mean? He's just as important as the next kid, and he's just you know as valuable as the next kid. So, um, but these. What what happens in Sean's world is what happens when you're excluded, you know. What did it? What's that saying? Um, I can't really think of it. We know that you, you when you exclude a kid, you'll burn end up burning the village down. Well, that yeah. that's true. You know what I mean? A lot of kids are like, well, and after a while, you don't care about getting love. It's like you just okay. It is what it is. Once it is what it is, then the monster's born. You feel me? Mm-hmm. You better get them while they want love. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's it. And the the desperation. He doesn't. Sean Sean's front is to be tough, but there's a desperation behind him of get me out of here. Yeah, I would say um, he 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 jumps into the game for mm-hmm. all the right reasons in his mind, and um, he's just working with. Uh, the materials he has, you know what I mean. The, like you said, when it comes to um, to cooking, he he, he chefed some what he had, and he he enjoyed it. You know, you work with what you got. But I wanted to show his progression, his digressions, his progressions, and you know where he started and where he possibly could end. I don't want to say too much. I'm not going to say too much. <laughs> right. right. Well, I will say this. Uh, base, it's a, it's a little Who is Sean is coming out very soon. In fact, you're going to be sort of premiering it pretty quickly. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm going to be doing a live reading in Millersville University on April 5th, I believe. Yeah, April 5th. So I'll be introducing and kind of like the, it'll be the first time showing the artwork um, and uh you know, I hope, you know, I hope we get a nice turn. I'm pretty sure I would. I, I go up to Millersville often. My, my, uh, one of my good friends, Dr. Cor- uh, Caleb Corkery, uh, he invited me up there a few times and we did a lot of work together. So I'm excited about, um, going there and introducing Sean to whoever will come listen, you know. We're speaking with Jules Davenport, and we're going to get into uh, some of the teaching that he does, some of the things he offers, and what comes next. This is the Brown Posey Press Show. Stay with us. The Writers' Conference of Northern Appalachia takes place March 10th and 11th at Robert Morris University. This two-day conference brings together authors and enthusiasts interested in the literature of the region with the aim of recognizing past writers and helping current ones develop. Twenty workshops and presentations on poetry, heritage, historical fiction, as well as voice and marketing. Register at WCONA.com. We're speaking with Jules Davenport, and I want to ask now, Jules, about some of the teaching that you've been doing because uh, on your website I saw some of it and 
you've been going around to schools and you've been offering yourself out like for a full day or parts of days to, to teach. What are you bringing uh, and what, what kind of uh, students are you seeing and what are you teaching? Yeah, well, um, I teach everywhere from K to college. <laughs> so I guess that's that's all grades. But um, um, mostly, you know, I've been dealing with middle schools. But lately, it's been a lot of high schools. Um, I, I'm, I'm in a partnership with Salvation Army. Um, and so I do uh, some work up at STEAM Academy with K through third and Richmond Enrollment Academy is still in elementary from K to third. But before I got that partnership, I was mainly dealing with middle schools, youth, youth detention centers, uh, really anybody that had me because my books span from, um, you know, anywhere from K up to K. And my, the MI series, it targeted middle high, but it ended up, it's, it's a universe. Anywhere from Middle school up to college, I can take that book up to adults. I've had um, workshops with with um, parents of the students that I teach. So it, it all, everything I do can apply from middle school up to college with the MI series, and then um, with in my little eyes, that's K through third. So, and are you you teaching them about about writing, about poetry? What are you? Uh... What, what's your lesson plan like? It's probably different for each group. Yes, yeah, it varies for each group. But uh, basically, when I do a school visit, I offer an hour presentation titled Words Have Power. And um, my promise is that by the end of the hour, all of the participants will, uh, I will proven that words have power through my life story and through that presentation, is I break it down into three pens. My pen pal is symbolic of um, my childhood, and um, you know how writing, how I con my connection with writing. Um, my penitentiary pen is when uh, it describes coming to adulthood, and it deals with when I had to rely on writing when I was locked up, and. My third pen, which I explain to them, is my Pennsylvania pen, my Keystone pen. And I tell them it's the most important. I call it the Keystone pen because without that pen, they wouldn't even know about Pen Pal. They wouldn't know about the penitentiary pen because my story wouldn't even matter. So that's why I tell them, you know, when I came to 1418 Burner Street and I wrote, you know, in my eyes, you know, that was my Pennsylvania pen. That's my Keystone pen. And um, through those three parts of the story, I take about, I believe, six, no, eight poems from the MRI series and that, um, and, you know, that were inspired by the story, the part of the story I'm talking about. And um, uh, that's pretty much it for the presentation. I usually, my latest presentation was with St. Joseph's Academy and State College, and it was like 100-plus students. We all were in the auditorium. If you go on my website, you'll see it. Um, I did the I uh, performed the the poetry presentation words of power, and we followed up with breakout sessions of writing workshops titled "My Words Have Power," which I encourage the students to um, write a letter to the future them, and the letter is supposed to be a letter of encouragement because words have power, and I want them I wanted them to to uh, understand that. 
you know, once they graduate or once they move on or whenever they're chasing goals in the future to remember this day and um, that that and that words have power. And the way that you're going to um, understand this is by reflecting on this letter that you wrote um, now. Well, you might read this letter when you're in college. You know what I'm saying? So to, to explain it, to be more clear is when I when I back in 18, 2018, 2019, um, when I kind of developed the Words Have Power presentation with the um, Derry Township Hershey Middle School, um, I had them do this My Words Have Power writing workshop. Now, fast forward to 2023, um, those students will be graduating this year, and then the then the other group. Um, from 2019, they'll be their sophomores and they'll be up to graduate next. And I worked with all of them, which was over 600 kids. And they're all going to, you know, basically borderline graduating. They're about to be released into the world. And just like I told them, you're about to be faced with obstacles that you got to overcome. And you got to remember to stay positive because, it, you know, once you fall into that negative slump, there it goes. You know, it just, you just keep going downhill. But um, the letter that we wrote, what, four years ago or so, you know, we're go- I'm going to be visiting Hershey High School on April 27th, and I'll be speaking to those kids again, and I'll be able to reinforce the words have power before they get released into graduation and then into the world because um, that, that, that's where I believe the power of the, of the workshop is when I get to work multiple times with these students now. I haven't worked with them since back then, so it's going to be, it was an overwhelming amount of support back then, you know what I mean? When I went to the lunchroom, I yeah. got bum rush. They tried to tackle me because it's, it's all real love, like, because I'm not a teacher, you know what I mean? I'm in there for that that time that I'm there, and I'm not there to tell them what to do. I'm not right. there to right. boss them around. I'm just there to give them this experience, to be honest with you, my experience and through that experience, you know, I, I, they they can relate with what they have to from what I give them. You know, not all of it, maybe just some of it might apply to them. And that's cool. But we make that connection by that, you know, when I'm there with that time with them. So we always come up with plenty of poetry. We, we um, perform our poetry and we just get it's really mainly about teaching them um not teaching them anything, just showing them they are creative. You know what I mean? Not all of them are writers, but it's about the experience. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and a lot of them, a lot of the teachers have come up to me and tell me, oh, I don't know. You know, they don't really know what's going to happen when I come. It's so funny to me because <laughs> I'm on the other end. I got crazy anxiety, right? Because I, I just want to get it right. And then on the other end, the teachers are hiring me. And you got to understand, this isn't something where like, I like I saw somebody else doing it and I have a blueprint. I'm putting this together as I go, like not like, you know, winging it. But over the years, I'm able to reflect and say, all right, what did I do good? What did I do bad? Yeah. What actually works? And you know what I mean? It's the first time. So to me, I don't have I don't I don't I don't recall anybody that I can I can reflect on to get really besides my mentors I have now you know that got me business wise I'm talking about when I was coming up putting this together before I ever met them I was you know I was figuring all of this out so when I when the, when the teachers 
uh, when I initially meet them, they don't know what's going to happen. They put it all in my hands, and then at the end, they're you know, well, just go read the reviews on my website. You know, <laughs> I don't like you know I don't never like to brag or anything. I like to make it like you know, but I can guarantee results because time and reviews have proven that. So, and you know, I wish I had something like that in high school. I wish I you know because you're doing something unique and. It's like those kids will remember it, even if it's not something that they go into themselves. It sure sounds like they're, it's something that they're it's a light. It's it's a lesson that they're getting that's outside of the norm. It's going to be somebody who brings in a little different thing and they won't. I, I have a feeling most of them won't. Now, how about how about the kids themselves, like after they're done or do you run it? Maybe you run into them now and then. And it's like, hey, remember that that event that you did? What what is the like the individual feedback when when you run into people or right after it's done and kids come up to you and stuff? What's it like? It must feel really interesting. Well, uh, that's a good question. Um, it, it's it's a it's a great feeling to me to nail the the presentation and make the most of our time. And when I do that, and the and the students are happy, or, or you know, or they produce some work that they didn't think that they could re- produce, that makes me happy. Not per se, like you know, I'm not getting like you know this crazy thrill, but it's like I really care about I really care about um, learning what works. Because I know that what I'm doing, it's not like I'm painting a house or something like that. And these are people, you know what I'm saying? These are people's children, and I'm being trusted to deliver a message to them, you know what I mean? So I take it pretty serious, so it's not something I take light, even if you see me laughing a lot. I'm I'm a goofy person, but (laughs) um, at, at the end of the day, this stuff affects me maybe in ways I could never explain to anybody else. And it's not on no, you know, um, not gloating or anything, but as far as like accomplishing what I've been able to accomplish, uh, with the odds that I've been against, you know, which I won't go into, um, I'm pretty happy with the growth. And uh, a lot of people, they might not see my growth, but I've always been the same. I never really ran in packs. And when I did, I didn't fit in. So um, the only time that I knew who I was was when I had to face everything on my own. And I I was forced to do that because... Uh, even to this day, I, every, I spend my days by myself. Well, you know, you see me in passing a yeah. lot. Um, and it's not because I don't like people, per se. It's just that I don't, you know, I just, I, I'm a worker. Yeah. I got a vision, and I think that sets me, I won't say I'm not I'm not different than anybody, but I have a vision, and I got to protect it. And, I, and, and I, over the years, I've tried to explain and include people, and it doesn't work. So I come to the conclusion and I work better. I come up with more ideas. Um, I'm able to be myself when I'm with myself. You know what I mean? That's me too. It's uh, I work better alone. Uh, radio is a, you know, broadcasting is a solitary business for most of us. So we're we're in a studio. We're behind a mic. Nobody can see us. No and see us. it works better that way for me. And yeah, I mean, 
even when I'm like, you know, you see me at certain places, I see you in certain places, and isn't like that's my office for today. And yes, I'm I'm as as uh, as an old friend of mine said, you went off to your own planet to do your thing, but you 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 have to do that. This is how this is how we grow. Yeah. Well, you gotta kind of like when it comes to. When it comes to this work, there's no way I could do it in groups anyway. So this is really like, it's for me. It's, some things are just for you to do. You know what I mean? You've been given this task. You have to carry it out. And I take that serious. So that's how I look at it. So I stay by myself. Um, I love it, actually. But there's, it gets lonely. You know what I mean? But in order to keep my message pure and what I'm doing pure, I can't have everybody's thoughts in my head. So I stay by myself 80% of the time. And when that other 20%, I'm real selective where I put it at. So that's how I look at it. And, you know, if you got something to protect, you got to protect it. However you feel fit, you can't really be worried about how people feel about that. And a lot of people got rubbed wrong when I stepped away. But they can't understand what I, you know, if you can't really help me through this mission, I got to do it on my own. Maybe only God can help me. Exactly. Exactly. Well, who is Sean is coming out? Um, who is Sean? Who is Sean? Who's Sean? Well, let's talk a little bit more about him. I don't feel like we covered enough. All right. All right. Tell me more about he's a product of his environment, man. Then we've got his counterpart, his sidekick, Ty, is sort of like that other. He's sort of like that. that uh, he's Ty's the opposite. opposite. Yeah. So there's Sean. There's Ty. These are the characters we're, you know, that that we're following pretty much. And through their decisions and choices, we run into all the, you know, all the other characters. Like uh, um, because of Sean, we run into Shia and her two thugs, um, Gino and Black. And then um, they're the antagonists in a way, and uh, well, they are the antagonists. And um, we run into to um, Callie, you know, Sean's little girlfriend. We we meet Ty's brother. Um, and we learn a little bit about him. We learn a little bit about their lifestyles in the first couple of chapters before everything starts getting kind of crazy. So um, Sean is is one of those kids where he's like, he thinks he knows everything. He knows what he wants. You know what I mean? But he still has that immature level of, you know, thinking he knows everything. Uh, uh, him and Ty, they like to joke around a lot, you know, at each other's expense. It's like they're like brothers, basically. They, mm-hmm. You know, they're polar they're polar opposites, but they come from the same environment. So I, what I wanted, the reason I did that is because I wanted to show, you know, every time people talk about the streets or whatever, we always go right to the gritty stuff. But there's, there's kids out there that just like to play basketball. There's kids out there that like to play chess, that like to, to do art. And um, I just wanted to show that through Ty, what type of, um, you know, the different types of kids that you would run across. And Ty struck me as a more, more typical, little more advantage, a little more of a clear head of, I should be doing this. I should be going this way. And it's almost like he wants to try to save Sean a little bit if he can. Yeah, that's like his, Ty in a way is like Sean's guardian angel. He's like that. That extra reinforcement, because Sean don't got no older siblings. Sean don't, he, he don't got no father. You know what I mean? He, he just got his mom. And we, you know, I'm without getting too much into it. But um, Sean's just making all of his choices and his decisions based off just what he, he thinks is going to save him. Mm-hmm. And through that and through that mission, 
Well, he goes on a bunch of missions, and he gets, you know, he. well, I ain't going to go. Who is Sean? That's what we need to know. Who is he? I don't know. You're going to have to find out. Exactly. Who is Sean? I don't know. You got to find out. You're going to have to going to have to pay attention. All right. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Uh, where can we find? Uh, we'll soon find that one soon. But how about your other works? You have a website. Uh, is that where we can find your books and stuff? You can Google me, Julian Davenport, or Jules, that's J-U-E-L-Z, Davenport. You could Google In My Eyes, Urban Poetry. Um, I have, a, you know, a, my Patreon front page story. Is, is it, All of it's on my website for real. So if you go to www.imjules.com, you can find um, all of my works. You can find information in my bio, reviews, um, pictures with me and the students and in my, in my writing workshop, links to uh, my YouTube channel, if you want to see me do anything live. Um, it's just all the information is centralized on imjules.com. All right, last question, I'll let you go. What advice can you give to a poet, an author, someone who's got an idea but doesn't know how to proceed? What do you tell them? Figure out your own process. That's the only advice I can give you. And once you're comfortable with your own process, don't let anybody tell you how to do it. You just seclude yourself. And if you have a goal, get it done. You don't wait. You don't sit there and ask everybody a million questions. If you know what you want, go do it right. The only way that you're going to come up with great material is to keep writing. You can't come up with great writings without writing. You can't come up with great writings with just thinking. You have to content build. You have to, um, you have, when I say content build, you gotta read. You gotta read. You gotta pay attention to things around you because you're a writer. Your job is to bring things to life. So you should take that serious. All right. Well, Jules, thank you for coming back in. It's, as always, a pleasure. <laughs> of course. You've been listening to the Brown Posey Press Show with your host, Tori Gates. Find his works, including Searching for Roy Buchanan, Call It Love, and Shake Hands with the Devil, along with more independent authors of fiction and nonfiction at sunburypress.com. Thank you for listening. This is the BookSpeak Network. <laughs>